Today, in future history. Welcome, sentient beings. With all the massive events which have shaped humanity as a whole, the incredible discoveries which have advanced science in leaps and bounds, and the innovative presentations of stories and art that have been made, once in a while it is important to consider the smallest of stories, the most minute of minutes, the utterly normal things that are taken for granted. Those histories can inform us, make us appreciate our lives, and generally give us a better grounding in who we are as a species. Perhaps tomorrow we will look at some of those things, if there's time. Instead, let us today celebrate one of the biggest achievements made by corporate humanity for this date, August 27th. Today was the day before the founding of Theandric Parcel Post, often abbreviated as TPP. Its original name is lost to the obscurity of time, with only bizarre and unbelievable legends about its true origins available, in contrast to the company's ubiquitous color, brown, remaining consistent. Speaking of legends, the story around the founding is surely fantastical, but the devoted followers of TPP swear it to be the truth. It is up to the receivers of this message to determine their own assessment. It began with a dream. Two dreams, actually. One mundane and ordinary, and the other divine. This simpler dream was that everyone should get what they need, in a timely manner, no matter where they happened to be. Services existed for this purpose, but they lacked the dedication needed to ensure that everyone who was capable of paying extra would not have to stare off longingly into a cooling summer night, wondering if the tin of cookies they had made would ever find its way to the child off at school. Or perhaps it was an anxious business person, with a presentation to make, requiring the exact shade of marker to underline their point, and needing it to be delivered by a smiling human wearing slightly too well-fitting brown shorts. Regardless of the details of the dream, which are largely based on historical records and not influenced by any interpretation by historians or presenters, it is fairly certain that at least one of the two originators had spaced out and considered something like that. Let's call that founder Yams, for no other reason than it seems like the kind of name someone might have had at the time, whenever that was. The other dream was of a much different nature. Lightning streaked across a starry sky, and with the following boom of thunder, plain-wrapped boxes began to tumble from the ether. They landed on doorsteps, on lawns, on early morning pedestrians. They bounced around and sometimes got lost. A few were crushed or did property damage. The beholder of this dream, let's call her Galahad, stared with wide-eyed wonder at the phenomenon, watching it run hither and yon and sometimes yawn and hither, distributing a plethora of nondescript goods across the entire city. Staring as she did, she caught a glimpse of something she didn't expect. A humanoid figure raced at the head of the sparkling light. Or, as she realized a moment later, the explosive electricity was the side effect of this being running through the sky. They were unlike anyone Galahad had ever seen. It was a bronze-colored man, but larger than any she had ever dreamed of, 
standing nearly twice as tall as any mortal, if her estimate at this distance was any guide. He was clad in little more than a silver loincloth displaying a rather embarrassing package, a box covered with paintings of cherries, and revealing rippling fit muscles. On his feet he wore brown winged high-top sneakers, which was strange given that they hadn't been invented yet. On his head he wore a round helmet, also clad in silver, with broad wings like a sparrow, flapping madly, clearly either propelling him forward or steadying his travel. As Galahad looked up, her eyes caught those of the celestial being, and there was a moment where she felt that the world had stopped. The figure turned instantly, veering away from his route and moving as a blur to stand in front of the wide-eyed woman. There was a moment of silence before he spoke. "'Well, hello there,' said the godlike man, his voice a combination of horse-winny and ocean-wave. "'Uh, hi,' said the bewildered girl. "'So, uh,' the angel or devil said uncertainly, "'did you, I mean, have you seen the way I uh, handle my package?' The next day, still flustered by the experience, Galahad ran out guiltily to find her sometimes beau and often pal, Yams, who was also seeking her, invigorated by his own dream. "'We should do it,' Yams said upon seeing her. "'Yes,' Galahad replied, breathlessly. "'Let's deliver packages for money,' Yams said, embracing her in his arms and twirling her around. "'What?' Galahad said, surprised. Ah, uh, okay. But upon seeing just how excited Yams was about this prospect, she relented. Well, okay, if you want. But how about we do that tomorrow? She said, winking lasciviously, which Yams utterly failed to pay attention to, although the way she kissed him and grabbed his ideals with her hands, he caught up quickly. Much has been made of this legend from psychoanalysis to a brilliant musical in which the part of strange delivery guy is usually played by a robot. But it remains as accurate as any other story of the founding of TPP. Over the centuries, TPP has innovated in numerous ways. It was an early adopter of contactless delivery, wherein the client has the package thrown at them from at least one meter away. It switched to using an all-robotic drone workforce for about a day and a half, before realizing that it was the personal human touch that people were really excited about, not efficient and indifferent service. The robotic drone workforce successfully sued the company and was granted a permanent buddy status, which is why every delivery agent is accompanied to this day by at least one drone who sometimes even helps. In order to support efforts to save the environment before it was utterly trashed and rebooted, TPP made the decision to go paperless. This caused considerable problems when delivering paper products, as they often would just deny their existence entirely. Later, once they worked out that issue, they also went plasticless and experimented with a large number of organic biodegradable products that no one dared to call any form of plastic, including banana leaves, orange rinds, and wooden boxes, before eventually settling on a chemically-induced slime residue generated from a genetically modified species of snail. Sure, the packages were stickier, but that could be a benefit. Now, deliveries could be made directly outside the window of an apartment on the 75th floor, by applying the sticky mass and attaching it to the outside. Eventually, 
in the boldest move of all for the company, they decided to go entirely packageless. Instead of actually heaving goods from one side of the solar system to the other, TPP would take pictures with the goods, both casual shots of the goods arriving at their warehouse and more exciting shots of the goods going to dinner, riding on a roller coaster and, for an extra charge, having a wild date with an attractive drone. Surprisingly, even though the physical objects never made it to their destination, the price was about the same. As you might imagine, this was the most successful thing the company had ever done. Inevitably, however, the delivery of experiences would spin off into its own company, and the main business of TPP went back to schlepping boxes of who-knows-what between who-knows-whom while wearing brown shorts. TPP-X, the company which sold virtualized experiences, is now part of everyday life, especially once they were able to manufacture technological sensory organ logging devices, which can be implanted into the creators of the experiences, and shipped easily mounted playback devices to customers so they could relive the experience in full immersive better-than-VR. Ironically, these devices were shipped using that so-old, yawn, gag-me, ancient tech service of package delivery to get them into people's hands. Nonetheless, where would we be today without the vital services provided by this company? Probably all sitting at home with a lot less stuff. The next time you hear the chime of your front door go off, consider the amazing sequence of events that were required to bring that package to you, and then forget them entirely when excitedly ripping open your snail-slimed boxes. This has been Today in Future History. Although our actions often stray far from our mission, consider these diversions to be side quests, allowing you to level up your existence in ways you could not have predicted. You're welcome. Tune in tomorrow to find the bill for this experience. Stay calm and remember that you are better off not knowing a lot of things, but the tricky part is figuring out how to know what you shouldn't know, which usually requires a very close friend and a double-blind experiment. Samuel 